Welcome to FaithCast, a podcast presented by Publishers Weekly. FaithCast is a series of interviews with authors who write about inspiration, spirituality, and religion. I'm Lynn Garrett, Senior Religion Editor for Publishers Weekly. I'm talking today with Robert Wicks about his first novel, Conversations with a Guardian Angel. The book tells the story of Jack, a psychiatrist who has lost his sister and twin nephews in a tragic car accident. As he grieves, Jack discovers he has a guardian angel named Kathleen. Through their conversations, Kathleen offers Jack new ways to look at himself and others, brings him insights from other spiritual guides, and takes him to a place of hope and acceptance. Conversations with a Guardian Angel is being published in August by Franciscan Media, which is the sponsor of today's FaithCast. Robert Wicks received his doctorate in psychology from Hahnemann Medical College and Hospital and is on the faculty of Loyola University, Maryland. He has published more than 50 books for professionals and for the general public, including Bounce, Living the Resilient Life, Riding the Dragon, Perspective, The Calm Within the Storm, and Spiritual Resilience, 30 Days to Refresh Your Soul. Dr. Wicks received the Humanitarian of the Year Award from the American Counseling Association's Division on Spirituality, Ethics, and Values. In 2006, he received the first annual Alumni Award for Excellence in Professional Psychology from Widener University. Welcome, Dr. Wicks. Thank you very much. With so many nonfiction books under your belt, what made you decide to write a novel? Well, I, I thought it would really give me a chance to really open up what I introduce to people in my nonfiction books in a, a really a more creative way, uh, where they would, in fact, be able to learn things that they might not find in line with what they really can receive if it comes in a sort of step-by-step nonfiction format. Right. And what do you feel is the primary uh, message or principles that you're trying to get across? Well, physician and novelist Walker Percy in one of his novels wrote, what if life is like a plane and you miss it? I worry that people will miss their lives, that in fact, they'll get caught in all kinds of of cul-de-sacs psychologically and spiritually. That's the first. The second reason was the fact that everybody needs to face darkness. And I don't believe that darkness need be the final word. As a matter of fact, it's not the amount of darkness in the world, in our country, in our family, or even in ourselves that matters. It's how we stand in that darkness. So the book, in a sense, offers possibility to make the most of that darkness with with certain themes. And and I think those themes can come across uh, through story and also uh, through uh, people joining with the story in their own mind, in their own imagination. Right. And and one of the themes, as I saw it when I read the book, was um, acceptance, acceptance of yourself acceptance of others and sort of not beating your head against the wall. Is that a correct perception? Yes, yes. I think that it's really, really important to be able to appreciate, you know, who you are and to accept it. And and what that requires is a sense of intrigue about yourself. 
I think what happens with people when they reflect or when they pray or when it gets quiet, they go down three dark alleys. The first is arrogance, where they project the blame on others. It's fun to blame others, but if you give away the blame, you give away the power. The second dark alley is ignorance, where you condemn yourself. And the third is discouragement, where you want immediate results. This book, in a sense, calls the reader to walk with Jack in a way, uh, having a spirit of intrigue. You can't change the realities, but what you do with them is very, very important. It can determine whether you can really stand in the darkness or whether the darkness overcomes you. Why did you choose to structure the book as a series of conversations between Jack and Kathleen? Well, the concept of a guardian angel is really, um, I wanted to get that across because people often see God as a CEO, not as a friend. And I think intimacy with God in daily reflections, not, not simply as a Sunday phenomenon, is one of the invitations of the book. So spiritual gentleness and clarity are symbolized for me in the image of a guardian angel. She also has what I would consider to be the central virtue of the desert. The desert fathers and mothers in the 4th and 5th century represented for Christianity a sense of purity of heart. But they had this virtue that's so elusive today. Now, let me give you an illustration. Um, my daughter is a social worker, and she works with, uh, with, in the Veterans Administration with severely injured returning Iraqi and Afghani vets. And often she does this social work stuff with her two daughters, who at the time were age six and eight. And they were at the end of the dinner, and she said, now, before you go anywhere, uh, she said, I have a question for you. And they start rolling their eyes, but they know they can't leave dinner until they answer the question. And she says, what are your gifts? What are your talents that, that God has given you that you're going to put at the service of others? Well, they launch into this long list, and they finally stop. And my son-in-law, who's been sitting there not saying anything, he says, well, what about humility? And the youngest one says, well, what exactly is it? And he said, well, get the dictionary. And he reads the definition. He says, now, who do you think of when when I read that definition? And my daughter and two granddaughters chime up, mom, mom, referring to my wife. And he says, well, what about pop-pop? And they shake their heads and they go, no, no, not pop-pop. The reality is... We could want humility, but it's very, very elusive. And what, the, what Kathleen, the guardian angel, does is she emphasizes humility in a way that it's not, not, not burying your gifts, but it's simply being transparent. It's recognizing the true ordinariness is tangible holiness, and that when you take knowledge and you add humility, you get wisdom. And when you take that wisdom and add it to compassion— you get love. So she symbolizes this, and I think we can identify with Jack dialoguing with her, and we're interested in the advice she can give all of us as well. Does the book reflect your own experiences with a guardian angel? It reflects my experiences with the presence of God, and it also reflects that kind of deep relational uh, value Uh, that I've encountered in those that I have mentored and treated. Uh, All of my work is with professional healers, physicians, nurses, relief workers. So if there's problems in Cambodia after their genocide, I I go in and and speak with the helpers. 
if there's uh, when they did the uh, evacuation of relief workers from Rwanda during their bloody genocide, I debriefed them. And when you interact with people on the line who are in healing positions, you begin to see values that surface that really reflect something more than what society is giving us. For example, when I was in South Africa, a social worker said to me, I can't continue my work. And I said, well, why? She said, well, I work with sexually abused and, and raped young women who are so poor, uh, they, they, it, and they usually single parents. And I said, well, why do you want to leave that work? She says, well, I go to court with them, and they have to take a day off from work. And I say to them, you know, geez, this is tough, but we got to do it. We get to court, and the judge will look at the papers and say, oh, I haven't read them yet. You'll have to reschedule. She said, I'm a total failure. What I'm doing is a failure. And I said to her, I said, who was with that woman at that moment other than you? She said, no one. I said, would it be an exaggeration to say that you were closer to this woman at that point than anyone else in the world? She said, no, it wouldn't be an exaggeration. And I said, you want to give that up? Don't you realize that it's not success that matters, it's faithfulness? Well, those kinds of themes, to me, are spiritual intimacy themes. And I think as a guardian angel, they can be shared in a way that people can hear them better. If you've talked to people about guardian angels, how do they react to that idea? Oh, that's interesting. I always expected, you know, given my business, that anytime you would mention that, you would get, you know, sort of a response that, oh, boy. But the reality is anyone that I've given conversations with a guardian angel to or anyone that I've shared that I'm writing this book, they always come up with a story. It may not be something where they're physically seeing a guardian angel, but what they, they tell me is, yes, I, I have a guardian angel, and I, I'll even push it and say, do you have a name for the guardian Oh, yeah, yeah. And, or they'll share an experience that when they were young or when they were in a difficult spot, and they somehow felt a sudden sense of clarity or warmth, and they labeled it a guardian angel. So uh, much to my surprise, the resistance that I thought might be there in some people doesn't seem to be. So it turns out it's a more common experience than we might expect. Yeah. Well, I can only speak for myself. I didn't expect that kind of a response. Yeah. What are you hoping that readers will take away from the book? Well, I'm hoping that they take away a sense of, of recognizing that, that it, again, it's not the amount of darkness, but it's how they handle it. So that they have themes that they can put to work. Years ago when I was up, I was visiting at Harvard, uh, the spiritual writer Henry Nouwen, and we were sitting in his kitchen chatting about a book I was going to write on, uh, I was calling it Relationships, Nurturing the Gift of Availability. And he said, it's not really a gift, Bob. It, 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 it's not. It has to be a balanced situation. Uh, he said, there must be a word in scripture that can describe, you know, what, what it is I'm trying to say. I said, well, what would the word be? He said, I don't know. And then we sat there for a while and he said, I've got it. It's pruning. When you prune something, it doesn't blossom less, it blossoms more. But you need the pruning. So that in the book, 
I speak about a threefold presence, a presence to God, a presence to yourself and self-care, self-knowledge and self-love, because you need to be present also to others. But the greatest gift you can share with others is a sense of your own peace and perspective, but you can't have it if you don't have those other two presences, presence to yourself and presence to God. Also, the other theme is respect. Uh, I was treating a woman who was sexually abused as a child, and I was seeing her as an adult. We were coming to the end of the treatment, and I said to her, picture my face as a mirror. What do you see? Oh, she said, I see a woman alive with the spirit, a woman who's resurrected that little girl that was lost because of the abuse, and she's integrated her with the woman she is now, and because of it, she's hot stuff. And I said, yes, you are, but how did you get to this place? You weren't this way when you first came in to see me. And she said, you mean you don't know? And I said, not exactly. She said, it was simple. I said, simple. She said, yeah. The first time you came in, I came in to see you. I simply watched how you sat with me. And then I began sitting with myself in the same way. Respect. And finally, a sense of simplicity. People are so overwhelmed today. But if they know who they are, if they're centered with their relationship with God, and they're faithful in reaching out to others, magic can happen. In a cemetery, there was these great monuments to these big generals, and they were very impressive. And next to it was this little monument. It wasn't even a monument. It was just a flat stone. And it was in tribute to a woman who had died very young, probably her late 20s. And in the inscription on it was from her husband. And on it, it said, everywhere she went, she brought flowers. Simplicity, power, and gift. I'm hoping that this book will allow people to appreciate themselves, God, and what compassion really looks like in their lives. I mean, life is too short and people have it too tough. I'm hoping this will lift their burden a bit. What are you working on now? Are, are there any more novels on the horizon? Well, I'm thinking of, I want to see how this is received. If it's received well, I do have an idea for a sequel to it called The Invisible Priest. So we'll see what happens, you know, with this one. In terms of nonfiction psychology, I'm just have sent a proposal out via an agent to, uh, to publishers for a book called Night Call, Hearing the Whispers of a Meaningful Life. And what I'm hoping to do is take the lessons learned with helpers and healers on being resilient and really enjoying the, the fullness of the life that you have and sharing it freely I'm hoping to take those principles that I learned in working with helpers and healers and offer it to the general public. So those are the two areas that I'm toying with at this point. Resilience seems to have been a continuing theme for you in your previous books. Yes, because I, I think it's very, very important. And it's a good portal. So, for example, if you're interested in resilience, you begin to look at well, what helps me to be resilient? Well, one is friendship. And I tell people they need four types of friends. The prophet who says, who's pulling your strings? The cheerleader who is sympathetic. The harasser or teaser, because on the way to taking life seriously, we sometimes take ourselves too seriously. 
And the fourth friend is the spiritual or inspirational friend who calls us to be all that we can be without embarrassing us that we are where we are. So whether it's friendship, whether it's vulnerability, whether it's another type of question in our life, I think when you have a sense of resilience as your, as your lens or prism, you begin to look not for answers, but bigger realities upon which to base your life going forward. And I think that's very exciting. Yeah, we'll look forward to seeing those next books. Thank you. Thank you. Our time is ending. Thank you so much, Robert Wicks, for talking with us today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Robert Wicks' new book, Conversations with a Guardian Angel, is being published in August by Franciscan Media. Franciscan Media is the sponsor of today's FaithCast. I'm Lynn Garrett from Publishers Weekly. Thanks for listening.